Oh, we stopped right under the We were recording. I was having my tiramisu. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am sad, and I'm also Kendra. I'm Katrina. I'm Azreen. I'm wait. not sad yet. Wait, what? Are we are we attaching moods? Like I'm Katrina, and I'm like fine. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, I'm Azreen. I am uh, very stuck. Wait, that's weird. I'm stuffed from food. I had good food in my belly. We're thinking about eating. We're stuffing you with newspapers. Uh, no. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Yeah, Boomy. Yeah. That's the cat. <laughs> that's Boomy. Okay. He has been forcibly seated on my lap. Okay, so as I uh, devour my delicious dessert... What are we talking about today? Well, reason why I'm sad is because, like, I really had to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole with this case. Because I've heard about this particular case before. Like, I remember when this happened, and I remember the outcome of it, but I didn't realize how terrible and bad things really were until I really like dove into the details of everything like boomy okay you a bit antsy um like i listened to the true crime obsessed episode where they covered the oxygen documentary about the disappearance of susan cox powell but the the details are yeah i I'm sad. Um, I'm sorry you're sad. Yeah. So, you look great, though. I love your makeup. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to try. I'm going to see if I can try to lighten the mood here and there. like, Or something. Maybe make a Book of Mormon Broadway musical reference. Are you if sure you I can. just don't want to reference the Book of Mormon? It's a- I'm good. I'm not going to reference something I'm not too familiar with. That's fair. That's very fair. I'm familiar with the Book of Mormon Broadway musical. Yeah. Is it a fun time? It's a very fun time. dubbed blasphemy on broadway and i'm just like so but apparently i heard the mormon church supports it like they Wait, put really? it they do now like they put out little little like in the flyers for the play that like they've asked to like be included and be like hey and also check out the original yes yes Fantastic. So that's just what I heard. <laughs> to be fair, I heard it from Mormons, but 
<laughs> I don't think I know any Mormons, so I'm left out of that conversation. There. We went to high school with a lot of them. Yeah, we did. There was a lot of them in our school. Okay, yo, yo, some of our friends are still Mormons. Wait, are Mormons. So what? Like, it's fine. Mormons are fine. Yeah, true. Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. Mormons are fine. I thought you were going to go down a different rabbit hole. <laughs> I know a few Jehovah's Witnesses, so, like, I know. They're great, they're, too. I, <laughs> I know they're kind of different, but, um, but yeah, I'm more familiar with Jehovah's Witnesses than I am with Mormons. You know, for the longest time, I kept getting Jehovah's Witness and Jesuits messed up. And, like, they, they should not be messed up because Jesuits' whole thing is, like, poverty is bad. Like, that's the whole, like, thing that the Jesuits are based around. Okay. And then Jehovah's Witnesses is, like, a cult. Okay. What? <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Is that true? I don't know. I must say that one time I did not appreciate, like, yes, you can, like, preach all you want, but please do not come at my door super early in the morning and wake me up just to get me a brochure. That was not appreciated. That was my day off. I'm just saying. You're very, um. That was my very few days off that I had. I was really, I was really upset. We should probably refocus. Yeah, we should. I don't know. Like that was a little nice moment for me to not be sad. So I appreciate that little moment. Also, again, um, Boomy is eating his food from his food tree. So if you hear clanking, that's him. So, um, all right. So tonight. Prepare yourself, because, yeah, we are talking. Sorry, she's making weird gestures now. Pillow. I want a pillow. I definitely thought you wanted a blanket. This is why we communicate. With words. With out loud spoken words. No, no, gestures are fine, but we were not on the same page. (laughs) What a word. So, yeah, today we are talking about Susan Cox Powell. Um, so this case takes, pla- takes place in Puyallup, Washington. Uh, it is a suburb of Seattle, I think. Um, and Susan Cox, she was born, she was one of four daughters to Chuck and Judy Cox and... Like they say that when she grew up, she, while she was growing up, she loved the church. She loved school. She wanted to be a beautician. And her sister Denise in the 2020 documentary that I watched for this case, like Denise said that she tried to be a rebel, but she was just too nice for that. And say that even though she that she wanted to be a beautician and she was going to cosmetology school more than that. She really wanted to be a wife and a mother. Um, so, uh, reference to the church here. She grew up in the Mormon church, although they prefer to say Jesus Christ, uh, Latter-day Saints, church of Latter-day Saints. Um, so the LDS church and not, yeah. What? No, continue. Did I get something wrong? No, 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 no. Okay. Are you tired? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the pterodactyl noises have come out now. <laughs> 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 
no, that's not how it goes. And it goes, no, 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 little shreds of happiness before the sad comes back again um so let's see and josh i'll give a little uh, yeah i'll give some background on him too he was one of five kids born to uh terry and stephen powell uh now right off the bat stephen is a piece of shit it's absolutely horrible also grew up in the mormon church Terry was more of a Mormon than Stephen was. Like, Stephen, he was very much, like, he would say that he was into the Mormon church and everything like that. And then he started just, like, moving away from the Mormon church. But he, like, he was very emotionally and verbally and, I think, physically abusive towards Terry and the kids, but I think also spiritually abusive because he would always put her down for wanting to go to church and everything and just kind of make fun of her for it. And like he would always put, okay, so the kids are, there's Jennifer, John, Josh, Michael, and Elena. So Jennifer, she's a pretty pivotal uh, she's a pretty important person in this case. Um, John, he isn't really involved in this case because I haven't been able to find anything on him, but I'm guessing that he's not involved and just kind of disconnected with the family. Um, Josh is the uh, person we're going to be talking about. And then there's Michael, who was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And then there is Elena, who is kind of the enabler in this case, I don't want to say I don't know if enabler is the right is the right word, but we'll we'll get to her later. But uh, we'll call we'll just call her Bad Elena, and uh, I will reference a good Elena here. Good Elena is my coworker and friend from work, and she is a big ball of sunshine. Hi, Elena, if you are listening. So yeah, bad Elena is a one in this case. Good Elena is somebody I'm going to need a long hug from on Sunday when I see her. So let's see. And the thing about Josh is that he he always he would always say he wanted to do something, but when the going got tough, he wouldn't finish it. And he would always try to talk to girls and everything like that, but he would always get rejected. So like just, he had like this weird sense of confidence, if you will. And Josh and Susan, they met at a singles mixer um, for like young Mormon singles. Boomy, don't eat that. That's not for you. Um, and they met in October and they were engaged in December. Okay, so that they were like very quick. We are gonna be like partners for life. Yeah, very quickly. And Denise, she told Susan that she's like, I don't uh, approve of this relationship. It's moving 
really quickly. But Susan like reassured her is like, this is what I want. It's like, I want to be married. I want to start a family. Like I, it's like, I, I know Josh, I feel like he is the one for me. And what, by the way, just like side note, but asking for large commitments, like engagement early on in a relationship is usually a red flag because that's a very common thing that abusers do. Yes, it, it really is. It really is. And they got married in April of 2001. And at the reception, Susan is telling this story about how Josh proposed to her. And she used to work at a JCPenney. And Josh said that he wanted to pick out a ring for his mom. And Susan helped pick it out. And she even paid for it because she got the employee discount. And he wrote her a check for it. Now, if that's a way for you to pay for the ring and get like a good discount, like I'm not going to knock it. But this is... Josh we're working on and he's a big he's a real big piece of shit so this action is justifiable but because I don't like you it's not in this very specific case exactly exactly so after they got married they moved into Stephen's house now at this point Stephen and Mary Stephen and Terry are divorced and so after Josh and Susan get married they move into Stephen's house um, until they can like find a place of their own. And that's where things start getting weird because again, Stephen is also a huge piece of shit. He started developing this absolute weird, gross, disgusting obsession, emphasis on obsession with Susan. Like he, whenever she would go out to run errands, she like, it, it's not, it's really not good. And he would, fo- he would follow her and he would be taping her from far away. Like she didn't know that he was doing this. Like, and we, he would be zooming in on her and he would even be filming her while she was in the bathroom. Like he would this get is the dad of her husband. Yes. Uh, this is her father-in-law. And he would even like take these little mirrors and everything and like watch her like come out of the shower through that mirror everything Ew. it was so gross and so the thing about that is that um josh he was like going in for an interview at um i think it was like a trucking thing and uh susan wanted to go and visit her parents So Stephen said, it's like, okay, well, I'll drop you off at your parents. And before she gets out, like he has the camera and it's like his jacket is covering this camera. And then he kind of starts confessing his infatuation with her and is just like, hey, so it's like, I noticed you've been giving me all these like looks and everything. And I'm just like, she hasn't been. And it's like saying that, you know, I was aroused and I think that maybe you were aroused too. I don't know. It's like, I, I was thinking that maybe me and Josh could share you. And she's just like, I know, I know. And it, uh, like we don't necessarily, I don't, I don't know. When I heard the audio, like I could feel, I heard the audio. It was just the audio. I could hear she wasn't even saying anything and I could hear how uncomfortable she was. I could feel how uncomfortable she was. And she 
it's just like, I don't understand what you're getting at here. It's like, I'm married to your son. And it's like, no, this is very inappropriate. It's like that the things that you have been doing have been making me uncomfortable, like with these weird comments and trying to touch me in front of your son, my husband. And he's, and he's just like, oh, okay. And then before she gets out, he's just like, you're not going to tell Josh about this, are you? And she's just like, well, yeah, I tell Josh everything. And then she gets out of the car. And so, yeah, she did tell Josh, but we, I'm pretty sure we can just assume that he was probably like, oh, yeah, that's just how my dad is. And it's just like, no, that's not how anybody really or should be. Like, she probably, like, tried to blame her. Pro- probably. We have no evidence of what he actually said. Yeah. No. Okay. Like, at this point, it's only assumptions of what he said. Um, so then they decide to move to West Valley City, Utah. And that's where they also have a lot of friends there. And Josh's sister, Jennifer, and his mom, Terry, also live there. Um, And they moved there to have a better financial standing. But, again, Josh couldn't hold down a job. And Susan was, like, she was the breadwinner. Josh just couldn't hold down a fucking job. He was a fucking loser. And later, they have their first son, Charlie, Now, here's something that really kind of irked me. Uh, Well, one of the many things that kind of irked me, but uh, this just kicked it up another notch. So Susan was in labor with Charlie and it's like her parents are there. And it's just like Josh, he was just off on his computer, on his laptop, just not paying any sort of attention to Susan. And Chuck, he's just like, okay, well, I'm going to take Susan to the hospital because she's in labor. And he's, and she's like, hey, are you going to come with us? And Josh is like, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll just meet you guys there. An hour and a half later, comes to the hospital and again, still brings his laptop with him. And he's just sitting in the corner in the hospital room on his laptop while Susan is still in labor. Chuck walks over to Josh and he just, shuts his laptop and he's like go be with your wife he had to go up and tell him to go be with his pregnant wife fucking loser man um you really don't like this guy like at all i have my reasons i'm gonna give mad props to my friend who did like a beautiful flip coin of that situation where when she was in labor she was reading a book (laughs) (laughs) like she had her 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 husband like go get a book for her and then like like and then was just reading it during the labor because you know labor's gone for a while yeah (laughs) did she say what book oh god i don't remember anymore but she did tell me yeah, because I I actually suggested this to her because she's like cause she was texting me at first. She's just like I'm in labor and I'm bored, <laughs> <laughs> and I just like books, and she's just like yes. <laughs> well, she's the one getting giving labor, so she can do like, yeah. It's the it's the flip she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> she's the one giving birth. She can do what she wants. All right, so after Charlie was born, Josh was described as an unattached dad, and he would only hold the boys 
basically just to show them off, but he wouldn't feed them or even change their diapers. And then Brayden was born and it's like Susan was, she was telling one of her friends, like, I can tell you the exact date that Charlie was conceived because they, their sex life was not good. He didn't, he just didn't want to do it because it's like afraid of getting her pregnant and, or it was like afraid of getting sick. And I'm just like, the Mormon church isn't against contraceptives. Like it's like, you can use condoms, you know, they're, they're not like outwardly against contraceptives. From what I've heard. I know the Catholic Church is. Can't speak for the Mormon one. but uh, I don't know. I'm just a fan of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, Maybe are. he was just kind of like absorbing that from the general popular osmosis. You know, being like, yeah. what are the opinions of Christians? Condoms bad? Condoms bad. Hmm. And then it's like, as time goes on, Susan, she is still being the breadwinner she's working like multiple different jobs and josh again he tries to start a real estate business that doesn't go anywhere because he just doesn't want to put the actual work in and he's just always on his computer and just doing all this stupid shit instead of helping to take care of that house and of susan and the boys and he also was financially abusive because he put himself in charge of the money that Susan made and he would give her a $20 a week allowance to get gas for the car and to get food for herself and for their sons. But he would spend all of this money, thousands of dollars on junk food for himself that he wouldn't let the kids or Susan share. He wouldn't share with them. He would always spend thousands of dollars on all of these stupid electronics that he wouldn't use. I'm just baffled by it. And even she would have to ask for permission to drive the car. And it's like, well, I need to feed my boys. Yeah. And it's like, he is not giving me money, enough money for food or for gas. So she started biking to work seven miles and she had to be at work at 7 a.m and she had to bring the boys to daycare so imagine how early she had to wake up to in order to get breakfast ready to get the kids ready for daycare get them to daycare at an early enough time and still be at work by seven and it's like she's even telling her friends it's like hey he's getting more mean he's getting more abusive like he's throwing things he is he just has a really bad temper and one of her friends recommended a divorce lawyer now susan has a very strong mormon faith she did not want to get divorced and it's like in the mormon church it's like when you're married you're you're married like there's really no getting out of it you just have to make it work if you can you know but she's just like, well, you know what? I'll just go to this lawyer. And she did. And this lawyer advised her to take a camera and film everything that's in the house. Just film everything that's in the house. So whatever he might try to use against her is like, oh, this is everything that's in the house. So 
if if he tries to say it's like oh no i didn't buy that oh no that's not in our house it's like well here's proof you know and i watched that video and this is me july 29 2008 covering all my bases making sure that if something happens to me or my family or all of us that our assets are documented and as i was watching the video like there were so many tools and everything like drills and saws and everything and it was just like there was enough tools to run like a little mini hardware store out of their own house if they really wanted to then she goes to the bank that she works at at the wells fargo bank she gets a safe deposit box puts in the dvd of everything that she filmed and she even written a will saying that there was just a lot of tension and hostility in the marriage and she said if something happens to me it may not be an accident even if it looks like one." Oh my goodness she like foresaw it yeah and it's just really i can't imagine like i've been through emotional abuse before but i just can't imagine being in her shoes knowing that my husband is going to kill me one day i i can't imagine that and in her will she also wrote take care of my boys so on the morning of december 7th 2009 she nowhere to be found it's like the babysitter her name is deborah she was just like susan's not here with the boys and it's like wait a second she this is not like her she wouldn't be late for work and it's like work called it's like she's not there either and so the babysitter she drives over to the house and it's just and it was snowing it's snowing at this point it's like okay well there's no tire tracks around their house so it's like either she hasn't left the house or something is seriously wrong and so like everybody is calling like josh's sister is calling and josh's mother is calling and so many people are just calling it's like nobody because nobody's answering and then it's like that's when they call the police and they're just like okay well we need permission to break the window because we need to get in if some if somebody's in trouble and so they break the window they get in and when and what they find they find the couch still a little wet and there's two box fans around the couch and so they then just are calling josh and it's just like hey you need to come back to the house it's like your wife is missing and it's just because the couch was wet yeah like someone had washed it yes like someone had washed it and Mm -hmm. um and so they called josh and it's like okay well josh has the boys so they're clearly not missing but it's like where is your wife and so then josh starts making these calls and everything like that and uh giovanna she is another key figure in here too hey boomy um because she was the last person to see susan and the family the day before so the thing about giovanna when she was there she was helping susan like do some knitting or crocheting and 
Then Josh, he decided to make some pancakes. And Giovanna noticed. It's like, that's that pancake routine is not very usual. Because he was making them one by one, she noticed. And so the boys, what? they... The boys, they made, they ate the pancakes and so did Susan. But Susan got tired immediately after eating her pancakes. Mm. And just like, okay, well, Giovanna, I'm just going to go take a nap and everything. Um, but she doesn't ask jo- Giovanna to leave, but Josh did. It's like, hey, I'm going to go take the boys sledding. And as she, like, and him and the boys, they were out of the driveway before she was. Mm. So... With her missing, with Susan missing the next day, they believed that Josh probably drugged her with a pancake because, and Jennifer, uh, who is Josh's sister, can also say this, Josh refused to make food. It was always Susan doing the cooking and the cleaning in the house. So then, like, Josh, he starts making all these phone calls. He even goes to Susan's work. Even after detectives and everybody told him, it's like, Susan's not at work. Giovanna called him and it's like, Susan's not at work. You need to come back home. Like, Susan is missing. And But still, he tries to make himself like look like the innocent one here. It's just like, well, just calling her up. It's like, well, I'm outside your work. Uh, yeah, just come on out. And it's just like, you fucking dumbass. She's not at work. Everyone knows she's not at work. So... Um, the next day, he shows up four hours late for an interview with detectives, and the detective asks, it's, he was just asking questions, and he, Detective, um, Ellis, Detective Ellis, he said, it's like, he asked, it's like, was she ever suicidal? And Josh completely jumped on this. He's like, yeah, she was suicidal, but she never talked about it. So I just figured she was over it. Well, golly gee, doesn't this motherfucker have a heart of gold? Then one of the other detectives, they interview Charlie. Now, keep in mind, with this whole camping trip that he took with the boys, there was an impending snowstorm and they left at midnight took a couple hour drive so it was at two in the morning so it's like you're going to take a two and four year old camping at two in the morning Mm, that's very sus yeah that's really sus and charlie he said um they they asked it's like do you remember who went camping with you well what did you do last night Camping? You went camping? Who were you camping with? Um, my dad and my mom and my, my little brother. The children said, Mommy was in the van but didn't come back with us. A pretty significant thing for a four-year-old to, to tell a detective. Even though Josh said, it's like, no, it was just me and the kids. So Charlie's already talking. And then, like, Josh, he is just saying all these things and 
just trying to make himself look like, oh, no, I didn't do it. No, I'm innocent. And then he goes to saying absolutely nothing. Like, even at the candlelight vigil that her friends held for her, just he didn't speak at the vigil. He didn't he didn't do anything. And he didn't really participate in displaying missing persons flyers around the neighborhood. And, like, her – Susan's parents were – they were like, um, wait, what? Like – come on why aren't you doing anything why aren't you helping us find her and then like there are these all these interviews that were going on and that's when um susan's family is starting to really suspect that josh had something to do with it and so they schedule like this honk and wave thing right and they and it what was like, it is where um, somebody, like a group of people, they they went out to a corner with Susan's photos enlarged and just stood at the corner and people who drive by would like honk in support. Mm-hmm. So that's what the honking wave is. And, and because they knew, even detectives knew, it was like Josh had something to do with it because he was fucking lying. And like all the time they because the family of like Susan's family and detectives knew that Josh had something to do with it because none of his stories were adding up. And he like his demeanor in interviews, he would always try to do all this fake crying and everything. And then his demeanor would just be like totally relaxed and just like not caring. And so Susan's family, they scheduled the honking wave because like, okay, we're going to try to see if they do anything if josh and his dad do anything in order to like kind of rile them up and see if they say anything that could incriminate them and lo and behold they did and steven and chuck they were just kind of going at it just like um saying like steven is saying all these lies and everything that um, that Susan was probably ran off with another man who uh, happened with a journalist who happened to go missing around the same time that Susan went missing, but he went missing in Nevada and Susan went missing in Utah. Um, so it's just like, they just found this one missing guy and just jumped on that. And then Steven starts talking about Susan's journals and how Susan was like a very sexual person and that she was a liar and everything. And it's like, yeah, we have the journals at our house. And that is when the detectives are saying like, that's it. That's our ticket in that house. And so now that they know that the, that Susan's journals are at, are at the house, they go in, they find the journals and they also find a lot more than just Susan's journals. They find on computer hard drives over around 5,000 images of Susan when Stephen was stalking her. Goodness. Yes. But not just Susan. He, Stephen was also a voyeur and would be like filming like women and young girls like from across the street in their bathrooms and at gas stations if like upskirting basically and 
just doing all this disgusting stuff. So they arrested Stephen. And because Stephen has all of this, like, child pornography and all of these images of Susan, is like, okay, now Stephen might have also had something to do with this too. And that's when detectives take the kids away from Josh. And one of the detectives, I think it was in the Oxygen interview or Oxygen documentary where the detective, I think it was Ellis, he said, yeah, Josh didn't hug them or say goodbye or anything. He was just being a chicken shit. Then that's when courts are just like, yeah, you are granted visitation. You can be granted visitation of your kids, but Susan's family is going to have primary custody of them. And when uh, Susan's family got custody of the kids, they said that Charlie and Brayden, they were just like really rowdy and just fighting all the time because they weren't around any rules anymore. They didn't have any structure because that's how Steven raised his kids. No rules, no structure and just fighting all the time. And, but when like they bring Charlie and Brayden to a child psychiatrist or a psychologist, I can't remember which one they start, they start drawing pictures and everything. And I think it was Brayden. It had to have been like a couple of years after this happened after Susan went missing Mm -hmm. and Brayden starts drawing a photo and it was him and his brother, Charlie and, and their dad in the van. And the child psychiatrist is saying, it's like, Hey, but where's your mom? And Brayden said, mommy's in the trunk. What? Yeah. Well, okay. So, I can only imagine because it's again they were two and four when this happened. Charlie was four, Brayden was two. But when something super traumatic as like this happens, I imagine their brains really tapped into this particular trauma. And I imagine that Charlie and Brayden talked about this too. But in another interview with Charlie prior He didn't call her mom. He called her Susan. Like, it like, seems like they were being groomed. Yeah. And, yeah, and, like, being told what to say and everything and all that. When they, when detectives start finding, like, so, so far, again, Josh, even though he is a person of interest in Susan's murder and disappearance, still has visitation of the kids and then that's when detectives start finding more incriminating things on Josh. And he, um, they find that he had like animated child pornography, but it was like of like old Nickelodeon cartoons and stuff. And so that's, really yeah. And that's when they're just like, okay, well, like he has to, So that's when the judge ordered for him to take a psychosexual evaluation, which also included a polygraph test because they're just like, well, we, we don't, we, now we really don't think that he is suited to be like the primary caregiver, you know, 
that was on February 1st when he didn't get his kids back. And February 5th. So Charlie and Brayden are at uh, the Cox's place at Chuck and Judy's house. And they are crying. It's like, no, we don't want to go see daddy. They're, they're just crying. It's like, we don't want to go. We don't want to go. But because, like, they don't have full custody of the kids, they had to let them go because if not, then the, then the state would have taken them and they would have been likely put into foster care. And so uh, their social worker, Elizabeth Griffin Hall, a super sweet lady, she brings them to Josh's house and she was, they run up to the house they go inside. Elizabeth is like literally one step behind him. Josh looks her right in the eye and he shuts the door in her face and locks the door. And that's when Elizabeth gets a whiff of gasoline. And then she calls 911. This 911 dispatcher, he I don't know how he got this job. I don't know if he still has this job. I really hope he's no longer a 911 dispatcher. Hey, I'm on a supervised visitation for a court-ordered visit, and something really weird has happened. The kids went into the house, and the parents, the biological parents, whose name is Josh Powell, will not let me in the door. Out of the driveway, so they smell gasoline, and he won't let me in. After that call hangs up, she is knocked back by an explosion, and the house is just a flame. And that's when she calls 911 again, and a different dispatcher uh, picks up, and they're just like, hey, are you at this address? And she's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. It's like he exploded the house, and so she 
and it's just it was just so fucking insane and it's like it really makes me upset because it's like she heard him say she heard josh say hey boys i have a surprise for you and then she heard charlie and brandon started crying and screaming and that was before the house exploded and you think he was burning them before even mm -mm. the autopsy shows that josh actually attacked him attacked the kids with a hatchet (gasps) but that's not how they died autopsy shows that they were attacked with a hatchet but they died with uh, smoke inhalation like carbon monoxide poisoning and they also had gasoline in their lungs and when the fire department showed up detectives and fire department walked in and the two boys the two little boys they were lying on the ground holding hands so Stephen, he is in jail at this point and he is being sentenced to 10 years in prison, but it's just like, Hey, if it's like, if we threaten him with jail time, it's like, he has to tell, he has to tell us where Susan's body is. But it's like, when they tell him about Josh and the boys that like what, what Josh did, he just didn't seem to care. It's just like, I plead the fifth on whenever, whatever questions were asked about Susan, it's just like, I plead the fifth. And so, yeah, but no need to worry because Stephen got out in 2017 and in 2018, he had a heart attack and died and the world is much, it's a much better place without him, if you ask me. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, and I watched an interview with a social worker and she said she still has an enormous amount of guilt because she feels like she could have saved him in some way, but... But the dispatcher was so annoying. Yeah, the thing about this this dispatcher is between the time the call started and the time the fire department arrived, that was 20 minutes. 20 minutes. The, The amount of times she had to repeat Josh Powell, it's like, sir, do you not watch the news? This is the guy who is a person of interest for killing his wife. So, so yeah, it's just really, it's just really heartbreaking and really sad. And, um, another thing about Elena is that, like, she said that it was, like, a huge smear campaign against, like, her dad and everything and and all that. It's like, honey, you need to get the fuck out of here. Like, with, with all that bullshit. I'm talking about bad Elena here. Um, because she was always saying, like, like Susan sucked anyway because um, – oh, another thing I forgot to mention is that Jennifer, she went in – she went to the detective and was like, hey, if you put a wire on me, I could probably get a confession out of Josh. And, like, when she went into the the house where everyone was, this was, like, before uh, before everything happened, 
It's like she couldn't get the confession out of Josh, but Stephen was also attacking Jennifer, saying you've always had a problem with with reality. And Elena, bad Elena, she was saying that Susan was a bitch and everything like that. And yeah, it's pretty pretty insane. So it's like so many people tried to help. So many people tried to get Josh behind bars and to have the kids be put in safer custody, you know? Yeah. And the system just utterly failed. They should not, they shouldn't have been with him. It's like, why would you have children in the custody of somebody who is a person of interest in a murder case? And yeah, it's just really, really heartbreaking. And and also with uh, when detectives went to go question the brother Michael, they're thinking he probably knew what was going on too, um, or probably had an inkling of where Susan's body may have been. But he jumped off the roof of a parking garage and killed himself. So all of these people that it's like Josh and Stephen who knew, who absolutely knew where Susan's body was. Michael, I don't know because he he was bipolar and schizophrenic. So we we don't know if he knew anything. But he likely may have. But like, okay, so there is a little bit of a silver lining here. Because um the the Cox family, they sued Washington State for negligence because, mm-hmm. like, Charlie and Braden's death could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I read an article that was published just last year, uh, July 31st of last year. So February of 2020... Um, the Cox family, they went to trial against the state and they, and then when the trial was over, the jury said, it's like, yeah, we side with the Cox family. It's like the state should have taken better care of these boys because this didn't need to happen. And they were rewarded $98 million. Very nice. Like it's not going to bring them back. It's not going to take the pain away. But it, it can assure that the state could it, – it could be made an example to the state. It's like do not let something like this happen ever again. Yeah. So, yeah. That is really sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, again, I went down the another rabbit hole with this case. Um. But if you want more details about this, um, there is a podcast. Um, it's by Dave Colley, and it's a cold podcast. Um, and there is also a book by Rebecca Morris, I believe, called If I Can't Have You. And there's also a a few YouTube videos by YouTuber Stephanie Harlow. 
she also does a deep dive into this case. Uh, she is absolutely fantastic. She's great. Like Charlie and Brayden's deaths, they could have been prevented and mm -hmm. just thinking about everything that led up with Susan. It's like all of the emotional abuse and everything is like, he wasn't physically abusive with her, but just thinking of how quickly everything escalated. I'm just like, Susan just didn't have a chance. And it's just so heartbreaking because I'm thinking it's like, there was some speculation that there was some physical abuse, but I'm just like, again, Susan was highly involved in the LDS church, you know? Uh -huh. So I'm thinking if he was physically abusive towards her, like her friends would have seen it like, like physical evidence, you know, but, um, yeah, but, um, it's like one of her friends, they did, um, one of her friends, one of her friends, they did overhear Josh say over my dead body. Will you, divorce me over my dead body. Will you take those boys away from me? Right. And I think... Yeah. And it's like, I think another thing with this particular case too is that another reason why he not only killed himself but his, but his kids too is that same mentality I think he had with Susan is if I can't have you, then nobody can. And I'm just like, why? Why, 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 why? So now you all know why I'm sad. Because I'm sad. I'm sad too. Yeah. It's a really difficult case. Um, I mean, all of the cases we talk about is really sad because it's yeah. involved murder of some kind. But we should do embezzlement. Embezzlement? Right. Maybe a heist. And I'll have to... There, there's so many heist movies. There's got to be an honest to God heist at some point in history. And we should cover oh, that. I've yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I already know what next two cases I'm going to work on. And one of them takes place in South Korea. Um, it's, it, it's again, it's still a little bit dark, but it's not as dark, dark as this one. I promise. Um, but, Yeah. Um, again, if you want to, if you want more, I left, I left out so many details of the kit. So yeah, thank you for listening. I'm sorry that this one was so dark, but yeah, take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening. Um, follow us on Instagram at murderous trio podcast, and I'm gonna watch some BTS music videos before I go to sleep. Drink Just water. Help, help me sleep. Yeah, like me, because I feel like I have vocal fry right now. So, and happy Ramadan to those who celebrate and fast. And yeah, yeah, happy Ramadan. Happy Ramadan. Good night. Good night. Good night.